0: Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Welcome, everybody, to the Growth Enablement Podcast. My name is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell, and I have a fantastic guest with me today. In fact, she's on our team, and she's a senior solutions consultant with us. Welcome, Liz (laughs) Cadillac-Seville.
1: Thank you, Jim. Excited to be here.
0: Well, we're glad to have you here. And thank you, Brian, our trusty content manager and producer of the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing, you know okay mm, okay <laughs> every podcast is the same thing you know mm. i just do you know i just produce yeah, yeah. that's all i do yeah, <laughs> okay yeah it's okay good. hey so um one of the things i want to do is liz i want you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself when you joined us uh, here at BrainCell as well tell us your story
1: yeah that's great so i joined BrainCell less than a year ago so joined in The February of 22, and I joined from HubSpot prior. So I've had a career that's been pretty operations-focused. I joined from HubSpot from a leadership and development team, but focused on setting our technology and our process up for success on the back end and Really excited to be here at BrainCell. It feels like it's been a long time and it's also gone by quickly.
0: It has gone by quickly and you're a perfect fit for what we were looking for in building out our consulting team. And just to say to the audience so that they know BrainCell has, in addition to a portfolio of products, we um, have a consulting group that is a group that works, I don't want to say like Accenture because Accenture is so much bigger than we are, but we come down and we focus on the mid-market, mid-enterprise market and help folks with their technology implementations to make sure they're successful. So let's start with the end. As a senior solutions consultant, Liz, what do you focus on here?
1: I think you said it perfectly, Jim, which is just at the end of the day, I'm focused on client success. So trying to get them from A to B and focused around what success looks like specifically to them.
0: Okay. And that is specific to our consulting group. And so you are working in that group. It's not selling of software. It's none of that, right?
1: Correct. Correct. Very much focused on the process, people, data, and technology.
0: Okay. And as a part of what we try to, for example, what we want to do with consulting group is to make sure that folks who buy let's say CRM or a CX customer experience style solution is to, to have them have success. And over 28 years of me doing this and certainly of uh, analyst firms reviewing CRM projects that mm, 70% or so fail. So why do most uh, CRM implementations fail from your perspective?
1: I think that there's a slew of reasons that we've seen but they all dial back to folks that are making a technology choice before they've been able to take a step back and look at process, look at data, look at the people, look at their strategy. So oftentimes it might be a rash technology decision that might not fit their overall growth goals and objectives.
0: Right. And that's regardless of brand,
1: right? Definitely. Yes, across the board if you you can have the best thing Ever as far as technology and still, if you have poor implementation or you haven't thought out what how it works within your whole ecosystem, then it can still fail.
0: Yeah, I, my experience has been and why we started this was that, that failure was so prominent in um, CRM implementations and people were buying software almost as a silver bullet thinking that it would uh, solve all problems, but they miss the critical piece in which you speak to, and that's uh, the people in process before even thinking about the technology. So right now, what problems arise when they don't think about people processing the things that you're working on in our uh, consulting group? And by the way, we have a proven business process that we've designed now, which is called the blueprint. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, if they don't follow a blueprint or when you implement a blueprint, what's the right timing of doing that? You know, what's a good fit for folks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start by just defining what a blueprint is for us. And that's, again, our way to press pause and take a step back with clients to help them when they're at a growth inflection point or when they have a technology change that they're going to be making. It's helping them to be able to take that step back, really reevaluate, make sure that we have, we're have we coming in at all angles from the perspective of data and making sure they're capturing the right KPIs from the perspective of what their processes look like today. And then also looking forward into what their future state goals are. And it's really our roadmap to try to get you from A to B. So it's our risk mitigation tool Figuring out how we get somebody from where they are today to where they want to be in the future.
0: Right. And so I remember being on when I was actively in a sales role, being on with a very large client. I think it ended up being 2,500 seats. That would be a very large client. And I remember talking to them that I thought they were on a risk scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest risk, saying to them that they were a nine. And the reason for that was they didn't have any vision for the implementation. They lacked the understanding of what the positive impact would be or how to get positive impact. And that often leads to other issues that come up, such as user adoption. And once stung by a user adoption problem and you have to get to change management, right? And uh, that's not guaranteed to work. Once you have a bunch of salespeople, perhaps it's salespeople that, that don't want to touch the solution anymore. Then they think changing the solution is the answer. And it doesn't matter how branded it is. I mean, we know that Salesforce is one of the largest brands in the marketplace. It doesn't matter whether it's Salesforce. That doesn't cure this problem. Is that right? Do you feel the same way, Liz?
1: Yes. And I think that process and change management is often something that is overlooked too often. And at the end of the day, you're completely right. Change management is core to success of of any kind of organizational change, but especially coming to an adoption of a new technology. It's always easier for folks to go with what's new, I'm sorry, with what's old, what's comfortable, what they're used to, and going to something new has a change curve. And we do believe that all of our recommendations help folks set them up for long-term growth and scale, but every change has that initial buy-in portion. And if change management is not part of that process, then user adoption and just the implementation themselves tend to be unsuccessful.
0: Right, a lot of money wasted.
1: Money, time, resources, you name it, a lot of waste.
0: (laughs) A lot of waste, then leadership looks at it and they're upset with whoever was involved with the project folks risk future (laughs) promotions, perhaps, or things of that nature. It becomes risky.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also that the complexity of what goes into an implementation sometimes gets overlooked. So people feel like they have the resources and they may have the skill set to do it internally for sure. But do you have the time to be able to invest in that? And there's also a component of time and expedience when it comes to adoption of new technology. And if you have a new system that's only partially baked and dragged out for two years for an implementation, people tend to have poorer user adoption.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, there used to be, I'm probably showing my age, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. And that you could insert brand name, whatever, for CRM software, as an example. Uh, No one ever got fired for buying the most popular brand out there. Maybe that's Salesforce. And it is a very popular brand, of course. But I think what happens is that's not true. If you put your butt in the hot seat because you haven't done the appropriate work up front, that it won't matter what the brand is. And so I, I'm going to ask you when we go to our blueprint, which is that proven business process that we have worked over the last four years, who's it suited for? Who's the right company?
1: I think it's folks that are at that growth inflection point that they're considering, changing their goals for the future, or maybe they have a new investment and they're wondering, do we have the right solutions to set us up for scale? I also think that there's folks that might be evaluating whether or not they have the user adoption currently, or maybe they're at a point that they are looking to just make a technology decision and they need to take that step back. So I don't want to be biased here in the answer, but I almost think there's no poor fit for taking a step back before you make a big decision.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I think that's right. And conversely, who wouldn't fit this? Who wouldn't do a blueprint? I
1: think that when folks aren't ready for that next step. So if you're doing this for a decision, a technology change that you want to make maybe in five years or in a couple years from now, it's probably not a good time for us to go in and evaluate your current state because we imagine that that might evolve in the next couple of years. So I'd imagine that you'd have to go in with an open mind, that there might be some some follow-on. Maybe it's you keep your current tool and we just help you configure it or have better user adoption, or maybe it's buying into a different tool or technology. And I think you have to be willing to take that next step that's recommended in order to really be a good candidate for it rather than saying, okay, we're going to take these recommendations and put them on hold for a couple of years because then you almost need to go back through that exercise.
0: So they can have an existing technology that we try to make it work for them. We're not trying to move them to something else all the time unless they want to move. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, actually. It's- you
0: know what I just felt like? I felt like a lawyer. <laughs> I need to stop that. Isn't that right? Are
1: you leading the witness? I'm leading the witness. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think you're exactly right. And that's something that we do often find that we've actually recently worked with a client who was thinking about choosing a big commercial CRM. And we were able to help them look at their current tech stack and say, actually, we think you have the right tools in place. Let's just help you tweak things and really inform your process to make this a better system for you. And they seem super thrilled that they're not having to migrate over to a brand new software and really try to make it work in a new technology, but rather can take advantage of their tech stack.
0: So in your group that you're here at BrainCell. Does it matter what the technology is? Do you care? Do you, tell me, are you agnostic?
1: Yes, we do take a technology agnostic approach. So ultimately that just allows us, though we as brain cell have a huge portfolio of technologies, this allows us to look at clients' current tech stack. It allows us to look at our portfolio. It allows us to look beyond our portfolio and make recommendations on whether or not I mean, it can be across the board. We don't make recommendations just based on our portfolio. And I think that that actually really, really helps us not only buy that trust with clients, but also set them up for success that we're able to truly say, nope, this is a re-implementation. You don't need to pay for anything net new.
0: Yeah, this consulting division really stands on its own and it's firewalled from the portfolio of products. So there's that separation. You guys have full capability of recommending whatever, whether it's in the portfolio or not, making sure that the folks get what they need. What is the right software for that particular situation? So agnostic is important. Can you give us any customer stories on some of the projects you've been on?
1: Sure. So we've recently worked with a big cyber technology and cybersecurity company that was going through a merger. And ultimately, that means that you have two disparate processes. You have two disparate systems for CRM and You're collecting different data and we were able to help them choose a technology and have a roadmap to success on, okay, how do we now combine these, have great change management along the way so that you have user adoption, have processes come together and be unified and have one technology so that you're not floating across systems and working in silos. And then to tie it all together, how do you have one dashboard now that you can see all of your metrics that you need at a glance rather than you know what we hear from so many folks pulling excel sheets trying to pull v lookups trying to do pivot tables trying to all of the things that are happening manually that eat up so much time and uh, really cause a pause in your ability to action on data
0: We just came out of a workshop and we were talking a lot about data. You know, can you talk a little bit about these dashboards that we're creating for these companies? And I think we're coming up with a naming convention because we could do it quickly. But uh, can you talk a little bit about the data aspect of it and how important it is?
1: Sure. I'll try to do it justice, as I know our data engineers are truly the best at being able to talk to this. But ultimately, what we do is we take a data lake approach and a modern data approach to technology. And again, this is dependent on different outcomes. That's not always the solution we recommend for folks, but in general, we do have folks take a more modern data approach, which means that you can have multiple systems and tools and best of breed for each part of your organization that makes sense. And then we can ultimately pull those all into one repository of both modeled and unmodeled data, be able to then surface that data in a place that makes sense for you. So at the end of the day, The great thing about that is you don't really have to know what goes into the process to get you there, but all what you have to know is that you have data at your fingertips, even if right now you're pulling it manually and then having to have different naming conventions. All All of that is solved with a modern data platform and an ability to surface data in one snapshot of KPIs.
0: You know, it was interesting, and I'm sure we'll cover this in other podcasts, is I saw a slide that you all presented and what some of the larger companies are using for tech stack to get data and how we were able to what reduce it to how many products from how many products to how many products to be able to save also money for a company in their data analysis. What was that? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: So ultimately, a lot of middleware is used, which they might be using different middleware for different systems, pulling it into a different repository. And then there's also a data cleaning effort and being able to migrate data and being able to then model the data from there. And the data dashboard future would ultimately be able to have one tool really to be able to be the basis of this so that you don't have all these different tools. And when code breaks one place, you're, you know, going in and doing that discovery and trying to find it, fix it here, have to fix it there, make sure that your keys match across your integration. It just becomes a messy headache when you have that web. And what we try to do is create this organized, almost hub and spoke model.
0: You all were showing me the um, dashboards that you had created for some of these folks out there, one particular very large client. How long did it take us to create this? It was a multi-system data reporting dashboard, right? And how long did it take us?
1: I mean, we have amazing data engineers and data partners. So I think it was under two weeks to be able to pull all of those key C-level metrics that they were looking for.
0: Well, and yeah, I'm sure you get a very good response when they see that.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think it's, I feel like everyone we speak with has felt the pain of, of Excel's sheets just not speaking to one yeah. another. So
0: <laughs> You have no idea how many meetings I'm in and I hear Excel, we do that in Excel, <laughs> we do this in Excel. And, Which is you a great know, tool if, for
1: some things. <laughs> if you put
0: $100 in the jar every time you say Excel, you'll probably pay for the solution.
1: <laughs> That's a good model. That's what we should recommend next. Brian, note that down for blogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So w- what other industries have you been working with in the consulting group?
1: I mean, I feel like it's been across the board. We work with manufacturing, we've worked with education, we've worked with SaaS. We've really touched so many different industries out there. And I think that that's the brilliance of our team is that we are able to work across industry and across tool and still add value.
0: That's excellent. So, give me some takeaways that the clients are getting from the blueprinting process.
1: They're getting a roadmap for next steps and and roadmap for success. So they're able to have a standalone resource that they walk away with and are able to either partner with Braincell for continued services or add-ons or implementations, or they can take it away and figure out another partner to go forward with. So some of the the value that they get out of it is this risk mitigation that now they have folks that have really done the research and done the analysis to say, this is the... Step that we recommend. And then they also generally are choosing ongoing services that result in organized dashboards, clean data, scalable systems, technology that speaks to one another so that you're not working in silos and process that is allowing you to see that whole customer life cycle.
0: You know, and it's all pointed towards achieving outcome. That's the bottom line, right? We want our clients to achieve the outcome for an investment and software needs to be an investment, not a purchase. Exactly. Well, one of the other things about the whole risk mitigation side of it is it also accelerates the adoption process in a way too, right? Like when it comes to B2B side of tech purchases, in particular, like averaging four, five, six months in order to stand the thing up, and but being able to leave no rocks unturned and that sort of thing, you're able to accelerate that and make these decisions in the short term and the long term much more faster and just much more faster, much more faster, <laughs> much more faster. <laughs> I, I write, like, I write good. I don't, I don't talk good. Goodness gracious. I, I, <laughs> I, I, and it's I, I shouldn't ever do that because I'm the worst. Um, but yes, you're right. It does not only mitigate risk, it accelerates to outcome. It's very important that the uh, folks get an outcome on the investment of software. Software should be an investment, not a purchase. That's what I was saying. And if it's a purchase, then you haven't done your your homework. And then you might as well pave a cow path, as often things we say, which makes the cow go faster in the path, but has nothing, no outcome has been created. Okay, well, that's great, Liz. And uh, what it brings me to now is a question we ask all of our guests. You have no idea what the question is, and we're going to learn a little bit about you. So when folks are hopefully working with you on the consulting side of the business here, they're going to know something unique. Are you ready?
1: As ready as I can be.
0: (laughs) Okay. Liz, which celebrity do you shamelessly follow in the news?
1: Great question. As you know, I'm not really Big on pop culture. So this one's a tough one. Who I'd say that I follow in the news. I love (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, no,
0: no. Absolutely. Absolutely
1: (laughs) I love Arlen Hamilton. I follow her in every capacity I can. And she is the founder of Backstage Capital. And ultimately was the, the impetus of that organization is to fund underestimated individuals and be able to give these amazing businesses the funding and opportunity that they might not otherwise have. She's amazing. So follow her on Instagram, follow her podcast, read her book, highly recommend Arlen Hamilton.
0: Well, that's very noble. I thank God I didn't say what movie was she in. (laughs) (laughs) I know it would have been horrible one day. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. uh, Well, thanks, Liz. You've been a terrific guest here with us. I want to give some parting thoughts on this podcast. I want to reiterate to everybody out there that not having a plan, a blueprint before, you know, looking at improving your tech stack or implementing a CRM really is a recipe for disaster. And the reason we called it a blueprint was because it's akin to building a house with an, art, without an architectural plan. Can you imagine what that box colonial would be if I you know, showed up and said to the builder, build me a box colonial, you know? And then I get there and there's the kitchen that's not where it's supposed to be or where I had it envisioned in my mind. I don't have a downstairs pre-plumbed bathroom if I'm gonna, as they say, love it or list it, and I'm gonna love it. and I'm gonna be there for, until my um, older ages and I want a downstairs and I could have pre-plumbed it. Because redesign is very expensive, not only in homes, but in software. And oftentimes in software has that domino effect of change management. So get it right the first time. So thank you very much, Liz, for being a part of our podcast today. And I want to thank all the folks who are part of this podcast, Brian Anderson, who is our content manager and producer. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Liz, again, thank you very much. It's uh, great to be I, I here. Love, thank I you. love having you on the team and working with you. Likewise. You're, you're brilliant. And I want to thank all of the subscribers out there. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And I'm sure um, that's on our podcast page, right? Literally right. Where, everywhere. Are they, where are they found? Like on Google Podcasts, you got the Spotify, you got the Apple, you have all of them. Awesome. All right. <laughs> and that music you hear in the intro is uh, my son, Sam Ward, who is a uh, professional musician and designed all that music. So thank you, Sam. Talented for that dude. Music. He's very talented. Yeah. Well, we made it right. out real quick. Will follow us and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You'll get all the new stuff that we're coming out with. we got a lot of new podcasts, a lot of new content. And everything we do, we want to help educate. So if you have questions, ask the questions. You can send them to us in our contact us form. You can put them in comments under YouTube or wherever you can find a comment section. We will answer. So if you ask, we will answer. We want you to know as much as you can before you buy your software. Thank you, everybody. This is Jim Ward. I'm Brain Cells CEO and founder. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness podcast. I also want to thank Davinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow.